Welcome to the Burnout to Bless podcast. I am your host, Tara Reinbolt, and it is my mission to help you take back control of your life, overcome burnout, and reclaim your happiness. Trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. I went from totally burned out human resources professional looking to find my purpose in life to finally kicking burnout to the curb and finding my God-led mission. If you're ready to start living your best life today, like right now, literally this second, then you've come to the right place. Consider me your own personal business and life coach. Now let's get this party started and dive into today's episode. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm so excited to have our guest today, Kim Corvin. Now, before we dive into our discussion, which is all about difficult conversations and communications, which we all could need a little bit more help on, right? I'm going to introduce Kim and so that you know a little bit more about her and her background, and then we're going to dive into today's discussion. So nearly every problem, no matter where it shows up in our lives, is a communication problem. I think that's fair to say, Kim. (laughs) I I agree. (laughs) So Kim is a former lawyer turned strategist and holistic mentor and excels at helping people with communication problems create new narratives that bridge the divide and create restorative solutions. Kim lives in Saskatchewan, Canada with her nearly adult children second husband, retired rescue greyhounds, and five rescue cats. You got a lot of love there. I love it. (laughs) We we are the Hotel California of rescue pets. (laughs) Yeah, you got, you know what though? They say that you live longer when you have pets to love. So I think, you know, I think you're, you're good to go. (laughs) Well, I had, I had the two rescue greyhounds. And when I met my second husband, he had three rescue cats and we swore that was going to be it. No more. We had this delicate balance. And then I had my kids. Um, it was the night of the U.S. election in 2012. We were at an all-ages drum circle in a bar, and somebody let a kitten in. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh-huh. And my son had always wanted a kitten. Yeah. <laughs> and we ended up taking him home to look for his family. <laughs> and he never left. <laughs> He never left. Yeah. And so that started us on the delicate balance was gone. (laughs) It's interesting. I have two cats too. And I grew up with only dogs. Never in a million years would I thought that I would have two cats, but they both came to us from just random ways. You know, one of my cats followed me home from a run and then the other cat we discovered on Thanksgiving, it was cold, it was rainy, and Mm. she was just like 12 weeks old. And it was like the saddest thing. So we had, it's like, we had no choice. She had to come home with us. (laughs) Well, and, and, and the one we found after Dodger, um, my husband found her at his place of work and it had been a bitterly cold winter, like 40 below for six weeks. And people at his place of work said, Hey, there's a cat living under the dumpster. He took um, coffee creamers and lured her out. Oh, yeah. That'll work. So so her her ears are frozen off. Half of her tail is frozen off. We fostered her for a local cat rescue because we were not going to keep her. Yeah. But she had had no experience with people. And she had a lot of digestive issues. She trusted us she stayed. So she was really the start of Hotel California, because by then it was, oh, if we have another cat, it's got to be through this cat rescue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's hard once they come and they just like kind of, you know, they dive right into the family and it's really hard, I'm sure to, you know, let them go at that point. (laughs) Well, it's, it has been a journey. Well, another family member, right? (laughs) So let's dive in to today's discussion. And I love the title that you chose for it. Do we have to talk? 
<laughs> I absolutely love it. So why don't you tell me about that title that you chose and, and tell me, why do you think people have a difficult time having these tough conversations? Well, it's interesting. Um, and I should say, I am a conflict avoider. So I remember being in the 11th grade and we had a foreign exchange student who was sharing a room with me. She was from Mexico. She liked the room hot. I liked the room cold. I didn't talk to her about it. I just took the control knob off the baseboard electric heater so I could have the temperature my way, right? So there was no conversation. I just want to preface with that, that this is where I came from. Having difficult conversations, if anything I could do to avoid them, I would do it, right? Like it yeah. was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's going to be super awkward. Like, let's just do what we can to dance around it instead. Yeah. And when I went to law school, I discovered what I thought was the best way to resolve disputes. And it didn't involve any conversation. It was called court. <laughs> right? and, and I drove family and friends crazy because they'd tell me stuff. And I was just, oh, that's such and such a legal issue. And let's go to court. You need to go to court. And it's like, Kim, get off your soapbox. <laughs> and yeah, it, it can be handled through a conversation. <laughs> and, and what actually I think really where the shift came was when I realized that my first marriage, you know, I, I'd known for, for three years, I'd been, do I stay? Do I go? What do I do here? And then when I realized I had to end it for the sake of me and my kids and for my former spouse too, I realized I was terrified of the traditional model and the court system. Yeah. Right. Cause it, you know, what I'd done for my clients that was okay, you know, and helping people find a mediator to decide how to divide spices, that was quite okay. But when it came to my family, it was like, I can't do this. And that was the impetus to start using conversations and to see the, the need, right, to talk. Mm -hmm. Because I stick handled my separation and we didn't use lawyers until close to the end. And it transformed everything. And it really um, like restored my kids' relationships with their dad, kept me having a great relationship with them, gave me back my faith in me too, much, much sooner. Mm -hmm. So that was really the genesis of this, you know, from let's just take the knob off so I can have my temperature the way I want it. Right. To, <laughs> oh. I don't want to go to court. And the best is he can't feel rejected is I have to do this in a way that honors him and honors what we had. And that involves talking. Yeah. Wow. That's so profound. And I can really relate too, because in my career in human resources, I feel like I was the facilitator uh, between people having conflict you know, the majority of the time, but when it came to having my own conversations with the people that were closest to me now, mind you, that doesn't include my husband or my mother, but everyone else, you know, all of my friends that I've known for my entire life and other people that are close to me, I, it was so impossible for me to have these conversations and uh, I guess I have some ideas as to why I have those issues. So you're saying that it took your divorce to propel you into the direction of learning how to have those difficult conversations and seeing, you know, how it can be beneficial for you in your everyday life to have those. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, but there were, there were signs before. I remember when my grandfather was dying and I was about to go on a trip for a couple of months. And my father said to me, you know, your grandpa tells you things he doesn't tell anyone else. And I just said to him, well, that's because none of you shut up. And I sit back and let him talk. <laughs> Feisty with my parents. Not so much anymore, but 
right? But this ability to listen and people feeling safe and uh, they'll share things with me that they don't tell other people. So the seeds were there Mm -hmm. in terms of, because that's a really important part of having a good conversation is to be able to listen so that the other person feels heard. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And that's something I struggle with. (laughs) Well, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, I remember um, I ran away from being a lawyer for a couple of years and I worked kind of in adult education and in the democratic structure of a farm cooperative. And one of the elected officials I worked with made some sexist comments to me one day. Mm -hmm. I was knitting a green sweater and he shouldn't that be pink or blue. And at first I just pretended I hadn't heard him. Mm -hmm. And the next time he said it, I said, I gave him the death stare and said, you've confused me with someone else. And he backed off. I had to have a working relationship with this individual, this 65 year old white male. Yeah. And it was like, how, and I had no direct supervision over him, but I had to be able to get along to be able to do my job. Yeah. And it was what am I going to do? And I thought, Kim, everybody comes into contact with you for a reason. What is he here to teach you? So then, you know, because I just, I was repelled by him. I did not even want to look at him. So it's like, okay, what is he here to teach me? Mm -hmm. And he was the best person dealing with volunteers that I ever saw then. And even today, you know how, Meetings can drag on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Well, they would have a Fortunately, yes. <laughs> well, but, but here's what he would do. They would start on time. And when they said they were going to end, he'd end the meeting. Yeah. And he had the most people turn out for the meetings and everybody was excited to be there. And it was like, wow, look at him with these volunteers. Mm-hmm. So I could appreciate. And then I learned... When he said those things to me, I mean, we were at an event where he was drinking, but what I learned after was he actually had significant pain in his back. He had cancer in his back and didn't know it. And he was medicating with the alcohol. Wow. So once I knew that it was like, oh, this is what was going on. So I could have some compassion for him. It was interesting when he passed away, I had left that job, but his wife sent me a gift from him that how much he'd appreciated working with me. If I had said that's a sexist comment, Mm -hmm. there would have been complete breakdown and tension. Mm -hmm. You have conflict in the professional setting. And then you're also, I mean, conflict is everywhere. You're going to have conflict in the professional setting, whether it be with a client, whether it be with the people that you work with. And also when it comes to our closest relationships, you know, on the personal side, how do you go about having a difficult conversation when it's really the last thing that you want to do? (laughs) I I would rather be anywhere but here. I would rather have any other conversation but this. So how do you will yourself? How do you push yourself to do so? Well, it's knowing that um, a good conversation can completely transform the relationship, okay? And, and we tend to, I'm thinking of me here, get upset really quickly and make a judgment really quickly, which is a good way for causing more problems. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? And if one can start, like I read a book by a fellow called Lance Secretan a long time ago called reclaiming higher ground and he spoke about when you're in a conflict like when there's an issue to think of it as if you're in a canoe and is this issue a hole above the water line or below got it so if you can train yourself so if it is above the water line let it go right because it could be that you're tired and stressed and it's your reaction to the situation mm-hmm. um, if it's a below the water line Um, And I'm just smiling. I'm thinking back. uh, We had an incident in our house. Um, I'd taken my son. He was going on a bus trip, the bus at six o'clock in the morning. And I stopped on the way back to get us coffee. 
And my husband phoned and said, Kim, there's been a fire in the house. Mm -hmm. And we had an old, you know, multi-plug, I forget the name, <laughs> plug-in thing, right? Yeah. And, it, and my daughter had heard funny sounds and had got up and saw the sparks. Now she went um, outside our bedroom door, which was in the basement and said, oh, Jeff, Jeff, there's, there's a funny sound upstairs. Mm -hmm. So he kind of took his time. And when he got upstairs, the flames were like this high and he grabbed the fire stick, you know, and he threw it outside and all was well. Mm -hmm. Now that is a hole below the water line that you need to talk about right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That can't wait. <laughs> that requires communication. That's an example below the waterline, above the waterline, right? Like what, what do we want to eat or, you know, the toilet seat, putting it down, leaving <laughs> yeah. that, right? Yeah. That's kind of above the waterline. Now, one of the things to do if so if you can start just stepping back and asking yourself, that is a really good thing. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, getting curious, right? Like that's what I did with that fellow when I thought, what is he here to teach me? Yeah. And because then you have a space to figure out what is this all about? You know, you're not rejecting the person mm -hmm. when you're saying, what is this person here to teach me? Right. Because we can like people. We don't always like their behavior. We don't have to right. reject people um, for some behaviors. And certainly in some work situations, you can't reject the person. Yeah. Right. Unless you want yeah, to. I mean, they might be decisions. your boss. They might be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you, <laughs> there might be your coworker that you work right next to in your next cubicle, next office over. <laughs> you see them every day. <laughs> yeah. So it's, what is this person here to teach me? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And something, something will show up right? Because this behavior, it's the person is the person, the behavior is what we don't like. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that. Um, and so it's what can they teach me? And there's another side of that to be curious, not furious. Like when I you're in that. conversation, yeah, be curious, not furious is what is this all about for this person? And what I find really interesting in a lot of disputes, we talk about money. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. It's like, I paid too much. You're getting more than I am. You're not paying me enough is that's perfectly acceptable for we have a problem. Often it is something underneath. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had uh, a client once he had a mobile home on a rented, he was sitting on somebody else's land. Oh boy. Yeah. And he made he made an agreement and his daughter and grandkids lived in his trailer mm -hmm. and he made a deal with the people who own the land that, hey, I will build a fence and you reimburse me for the cost of the fence. But I'll, you know, my labor is a gift to you that will do this exchange. The other side said yes. And then they refused to pay him. Oh, boy. It was the first small claims trial I ever did. Yeah. And, and we were successful. And I was so excited because we'd won. I was a good advocate. Yeah. Love it. My, my client, though, in getting this money was angry because the court hadn't awarded him money that he'd paid on taxes <laughs> on the materials. And I was just like, how can he be mad? Like, this is this is the pinnacle. How can he be mad? And I had to do a lot of thinking. And then one day when we were talking about he wanted to appeal and I said, um, but you want, didn't, didn't, well, this is what I've been saying, but this, <laughs> but this time I said, didn't you build that fence to keep your grandchildren safe? Yeah. Right. The first time we'd met, he told me that mm -hmm. and he just was quiet for a bit. And then he said, yes, like he'd completely forgotten what his prime motivation was. And once he remembered that, he was happy with the decision, right? Ultimately, it wasn't about the money. It was about keeping his grandchildren safe. So there's always something beneath the money. That's interesting. So how do you work your way to what the real problem is? What is the, 
the root of it? How do you work your way there? So when somebody says something to you and you want to scream and sit and, and you're thinking you're a nuts. Yeah. <laughs> instead of saying that, because let's face it, you're never going to convince somebody else to your view of the facts ever. You know, that's why so many people still smoke cigarettes, even yes. though all the evidence says it's harmful. So instead of that over the top rejecting, mm-hmm. a really good thing to say is, oh, I've never thought of it like that before. Tell me more. Okay. So you let them tell you essentially by opening up. Well, first by getting curious and, you know, being authentic in that curiosity and then by opening it up to them so that you can understand them. Well, yeah, because because when they say something and you're just reacting to it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like, oh, I've never thought of it that way before or right. And being genuine, because truly, you've never thought of it that way before. But yeah. saying, tell me more, like not saying why, because why makes the other person defensive? It's a conversation stopper, but saying, tell me more. And as they keep talking, keep saying, oh, I, I don't quite understand. Can you help? Right. And tell you because you'll get to a point where there is a common interest. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Right. So when I, um, shortly after, like when I first moved in with my second husband, I was car shopping and he was like, yeah, buy whatever you want. Okay, good. Six months later, I went to buy a car and I didn't consult him first. Mm -hmm. And he was mad when I phoned him and said, Oh, by the way, when I was at work today, I went across the street to the car dealership and I bought a car. <laughs> and he's there. There's another example of sometimes my communication skills are not the best. So we had this conversation and I'm thinking he's trying to control my money, right? That's my default. Who yeah. the heck is he? This is my money. And he said this before that it was no problem. And now it's a problem. What the heck is going on? Well, what it came down to through discussion was when I'd first talked about buying a car, he wasn't feeling as secure in the relationship, like moving in with somebody was a really big step. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of prepared, well, maybe this won't last. But by the time I bought the car, he was feeling really committed to the relationship. Oh, so he was in two different frame of minds. Yeah, so... Got it. That makes sense. (laughs) But so, yeah, exactly. Who knew? Who would suspect? But it would have been easy for me to think, you're just being controlling. I don't want anything more to do with you. Yeah. And for him to think, well, Kim's just being very disrespectful. But as soon as I figured out his motivation, I apologized. And when we went to pick up the car, I let him drive it home. And he loved it. And the problem was solved. Oh, well, that's what I call a (laughs) win-win. Well, and this is, this is part of it. I have this instinctive way of going, oh, what's going to work here? Yeah. You know, just kind of to tie the bow, but it really shows that when you're curious, Mm -hmm. oh, I didn't, I didn't know this is where you were coming from. Now I have a question for you though. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the moment though, there are Mm -hmm. times when Your emotions can get the best of you and you, sometimes you're more reactive than proactive given the situation. Some situations make me more reactive, emotional than others. So how do you kind of take a step back in the moment uh, when your emotions are kind of like running the show? Well, if you know that that's your go-to, mm-hmm. it's perfectly okay to say, you know, I'm reverting to my pattern of being reactive. Mm-hmm. I need a timeout. Got it. And even when I have discussions with my second husband, he's like Mr. In-Your-Face reactive, and he has to say his piece. Yes. And I pretty much listen, and I'm fuming, and I say a few things. He thinks we're done, but then I come back and say, I haven't said my piece. I need to talk. Here you go. Yeah. And that style worked because you knew you had to take some time for yourself in order to present it 
and to say your piece and to say all of it versus being reactive or just holding it in and not saying anything at all. But, you know, it is like a conversation doesn't have to take place all at once. That's, that's good food for thought. (laughs) It doesn't. And most likely if you give people some space, they'll come back and you'll have a better conversation. Ooh, that's and it, I like that. Right. And, you know, and to be able to say, you know, I appreciate you enough and our relationship enough that I just need some space to reflect on this. Can we talk about this later? And I do love that. I have you know, a lot of people in my life that try not to give me that boundary. I'm a, I need my space type of gal. And my husband and my mother are both like, nope, not giving you space. We're going to do this now. And I, I hold my ground though. I'm like, nope, it's not happening. Cause you don't want to well, know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> well, but, it, but it's like me with my husband, right? He says his piece, mm-hmm. but then I come back later and say, now it's my turn. Well, I thought we were done, Kim. No, no. Yeah. We have different ways of communicating. That's called life and being people. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's good to, I guess, get to know the, the communication styles of the people that you love and care about. But if you decide not to take the steps to have those difficult conversations, and if you continue to avoid conflict at all costs, tell me, like, what are the most common short term consequences to that? And then on the flip side, what are the most common long-term consequences if you continue to avoid conflict? Well, I mean, if you're avoiding conflict short-term, I mean, you're not wanting to have any contact with that person, Hmm. right? So it makes your bubble smaller. You might be distracted at work. Mm -hmm. You're not sleeping well. You get triggered more quickly. Long-term, I mean, you can see people walking out of jobs, businesses like business partners who don't communicate that business will be done if they keep dancing around and avoiding talking about what really matters. Marriages end up ending. Yeah. So it can be, I mean, obviously it's some pretty monumental life shattering, life changing events can take place if you don't handle the conflict. And it's interesting, a few, just pre-COVID, six months before COVID, we were in a restaurant and I saw a person who had been one of my clients, one of my legal clients from when I was still married to my first husband. Mm -hmm. So I went up and said hello to him. And he's, you know, you look familiar, but I can't place you. And I'm like, oh, it's Kim Corbin. Kim, you look so much younger. No. And because like within a couple of years of having stopped living with my first husband, I was having people say, wow, I don't recognize you. You look so much younger. Yeah. Because you are happier probably. Yeah. Because living in a, when you're not expressing the conflict, you age, you don't see it. Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because essentially, and I think this is one thing that I always try to point out to my clients and potential clients, if you continue to live in that, that stress, it's going to eventually catch up to you. Mm -hmm. You may not see it now, but it's going to show up in the form of a divorce. It's going to show up in the, you know, ending your career and not having a backup. It's going to show up in a rock bottom scenario. And it doesn't have to be that way. You know, I mean, do you just want to go through, through the motions being depressed all the time, you know? Well, and it, it can cause health issues too. Absolutely. And I don't think a lot health. of people realize uh, this is one thing that when I was in burnout, I didn't realize that I, I always thought, oh, well, I always have had headaches. I've always had migraines. Mm-hmm. I've always mm-hmm. had headaches. This is just something that I've always experienced. And it wasn't until I got healthy. It wasn't until I overcame burnout. They went away completely. And I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, 
it, it started out slow. I have a, a migraine here and there, and then it became constant. And then it got to a point where I didn't realize, I just thought, oh, this is something I've always dealt with, but that was not the case at all. Yeah. Well, and, and with me, you know, like I love the law. And yeah. after my marriage ended, I got a master's degree in it. But how the game is played, I never felt like I fit because I like everybody to win, right? And have restorative solutions. That's what I'm drawn to. Yeah. So law was not a good fit. And I ended up um, with a gallstone in my bile duct that was 10 millimeters. So it was almost half an inch. Oh, wow. So talk about burnout and the body saying, hello. Yeah, the body will and, stop you from moving forward if you don't slow down. <laughs> and it was it was a year after that um, that I lost that job. And when I started thinking about who am I? And what am I supposed to be here on this earth to do? And the transitioning from law has been a really, I think, a long process. It's been about five years, mm-hmm. six years. Um, and I'm just now getting to a point where I'm okay saying I'm a holistic mentor and that my approach is bigger than the law and it isn't based on because I was a lawyer. It's like, you know, that story I shared about my grandpa. Yeah. Um, it's who I am. And yeah, it's way, I'm way happier and healthier. And so. So did you go on that? that self-discovery journey because, you know, of kind of hit a a stopping point and it kind of made you reevaluate everything. And then during that process, you kind of figured out who you were. Yeah. And I mean, there was the, you know, cause I almost died with the, um, with the gallstone. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a big, that's a big one. That's huge. That's huge. Absolutely huge. Um, That was kind of the first step. And then I had realized that I didn't fit the culture at work and that I'd have to go. And I'd been dreaming of leaving. I actually had an affirmation when I'd be leaving. And six weeks before my deadline on the affirmation, I was called in. It really shook my confidence, you know, because you feel shame when you lose a job, even when you know this is not a good fit. Yeah, um, I can, but it I was, can relate. Yeah. And, you know, when I was called in, I actually said to my boss about realizing I wasn't a good fit for the culture. And that even made the leaving like I was not escorted out of the building. I got to sit back at my computer and pack up my own stuff and. So it was yeah. kinder, but, but that really got me thinking about, um, yeah, what am I here to do? And I thought, well, I'm a lawyer. That's what I have to do. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it took time to untangle that, but it was, it was really the combination of that illness because, you know, it took a lot, a lot. I had three surgeries in 10 days. Oh, wow. That's to get that, to get that goal, that gallstone. And then the gallbladder came out six weeks later. And so I was a mess. Physically. Yeah. It sounds like physically, mentally, and, and all emotionally. Levels. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So after you went on that, that journey, is that how you figured out that this is your calling? This is what you're mm-hmm. meant to do? Like how, after you figured that out, how, how has life shifted for you? Like, you know, what's your before finding that purpose versus after? So the before we've kind of talked about it. Yeah. And the after is, you know, I, I work with individuals, you know, as a mentor, sometimes they're leaving relationships. Sometimes they're in business. I do mediation and it's just, I feel really good about helping people. Because there's space for win-win solutions. It's just, and it is, you know, and it is, I sometimes use the tagline, I go back and forth, but choose love, be confident, create peace. I've chosen to love myself where I never did before. I always saw me as lacking and that I needed to be something else. And that has given me confidence. 
Now, how did you arrive there? What was the process to get you to feel that way? That love. I signed up for business training course with Sark, who okay. wrote the book Succulent Wild Woman. And you know, the colorful poster, How to Really Love a Child. Mm-hmm. That's Sark. Okay. And it was supposed to be for business training. So I could start this business. And, and I got all of this stuff to help me love me. Oh, so that was a, an awesome byproduct of going through it. Yeah, It sounds like it was meant to be, you got, you got mm-hmm. two big benefits out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it has been, it's been following my instincts more trusting, I think has been, you know, that would be the takeaway because what works for me isn't going to work for everybody. But if, if you can learn to harness that, what does my inner wisdom know? Mm-hmm. So the one thing that you found that has helped you in communicating on all levels is ultimately staying in touch and kind of listening for that inner voice in yeah. that wisdom that you, you know, you already have and listening to that versus dismissing it. Mm-hmm. And that was part of Sark. And even like most days still, I write myself a love note for my inner wise self. Yeah. I like that. I know, especially when you go through, you know, a journey of such change, you know, from the career field that you were in and to different career that you have no idea how to navigate, but you know, you have all the skills, you have all the things, you know, in order, it's definitely, it's nice to have that (laughs) self-care, that self-love along the way, because you know, it can be a difficult journey at times, but one that is so well worth it. (laughs) Well, and it's actually practicing, you know, if I'm having loving conversations with me, it makes it easier to have loving conversations with other people. I had never seen that before this, before this moment. So it's like, oh, that's, oh. Yeah. That's interesting that you mentioned that because I would, bet that when you were in an attorney, <laughs> the inner dialogue that was probably going on in your mind versus what you were saying out loud were probably very different. And I know from my experience in HR, and I would just sit there and I would think, why are these people not getting along? Can't they just see X? Can't they just see Y? Like, oh my gosh, let's just get this over with. It's not that difficult. You know, that was me on the outs in the inside. And then on the outside, I'm like, okay guys, you know, like Zen and be, you know, so it's interesting that you went from probably being in conflict from the inside versus the outside to now your inside matches your outside thoughts. Well, there's still times when the lawyer in me is like, you're worried about, I'm thinking you're worried about a shower curtain. Like, come on. But then when (laughs) I drill down, I find out there's a very good reason. Oh, okay. Well, we'll share this with, you know, with your spouse. Yeah. Kim, I got the shower curtain I wanted. Right. (laughs) You know, because attorney Kim is like, this is not worth it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, come on now. (laughs) The logical side. Now you just touched on something that I want to kind of end on or dive a little Mm -hmm. bit into, which is strategies for better conversations. You mentioned you know, something so simple, but yet they had a good reason for it. Can you dive into a few different strategies that someone can take away to have better conversations? I know we've went over multiple of them already, but. Well, so, I mean, the first one, of course, is to forget about being right. Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) Right. Because you're not going to convince the other person. So why even go there? Yeah, because. It's, it's when you meet at the emotional level or yeah. your common interests. Oh, we're both, we're both concerned about our child's safety, although we have different viewpoints on COVID vaccinations. Yeah. Right? This mm-hmm. is our common, our common point. So how do we work together to keep our child safe? So you can reframe instead of, okay, 
Yeah. Okay. Instead of going, I have the best information. Right. So you're getting to the root of, you know, what's Mm -hmm. the, why is it important? And that's really good. I'm glad that you brought up COVID because it's brought us into such a divide. And I think it's kind of disrupted us in all levels, because you have to follow, if you're in corporate, you have to follow a set Mm -hmm. of corporate guidelines and what you can and can't do. And then on the flip side, it's become politicized to the point where if you think one way, your family members or friends are like, you know what, I'm not even having a conversation with you. And you can't even have an open and honest type of communication because people are just so divided on the issue. So I find that to be very helpful. Think of it that way. And and the other way to think of it is you don't like the person's behavior or their opinion. You can still like the person. Yeah. And I like separate that love from the behavior or the opinion. Right. Because it's okay in certain circumstances to go, you know, you're really important to me and you're so important to me. We are not going to talk. We're going to talk about, we're going to agree that we remain silent on this issue. Right. Because preserving the relationship means more to me, right? You are important to me as a person. The whole thing about when somebody says something that you're like, are you nuts? (laughs) That can be your in your inside. And Mm -hmm. instead you say, Oh, I've never thought of it that way before. Tell me more. Or can you help me understand? Help me understand. I'm not getting this. Yeah. I, I do love the question. Continue the conversation by gathering more information, by mm-hmm. getting to know, you know, what are they thinking? I love that piece because you brought up COVID. I know that at the heart of it, I think we all just want the same things, but we have a different opinion of how we get there and that's okay. Well, and, and the thing to remember is like with COVID, it's been a big change. Most people responding to change, they feel awkward. They feel stupid frustrated, angry. Now, does that sound familiar in terms of how people are behaving in today's world? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I would say that's an understatement, but yes. I know, but (laughs) I have a dry sense of humor. But we are, we're reacting to change, Yeah. right? And that's part of it. If you can understand that, oh, this is, and I do an exercise with my clients to really bring that home. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's so transformative because they start thinking this other person is the problem. And it's like, oh, it's all this change happening in our life. Okay. So you can, then you can keep appreciating the other person. Absolutely. um, Which is critically important. And ask yourself, okay, what am I supposed to learn from this person or this experience with a, from a place of genuine curiosity? Yeah. And I do like that. And it's almost like for, for those of us that we have the coworker that we have to see every day, we have the boss that we have to see every day, or we have that difficult person in our life that we have to deal with that in-law or whatever it may be that watches your children on a daily basis. You know, you love them to death, but there's that conflict or tension, you know, having that almost like affirmation that you were talking about, like just get curious or something to that effect as a reminder, because I know that in the heat of the moment, sometimes it's hard to switch to that curiosity, but just asking yourself, how can I learn from this person? Exactly what you've said. I think that ultimately thinking that it's almost like it's a very it's a lasting, it's going to last in your mind so that you're not going to be reactive in the moment because you're thinking of it from a totally different perspective. And, and, and the thing is to be kind to yourself in that situation, because it's going to take a while. Like I remember that gentleman, it took me a while Mm -hmm. before I liked spending time with him again. It took (laughs) me a while. Oh yeah. It happened though. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. once I was curious and figured out what he was there to teach me, right? So I didn't have to have this direct conversation with him 
but I found a way to appreciate him as a human being again. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, that, that I definitely see how that shift would help you do that instead of, instead of thinking on the specific issue at hand, it's just more like, um, and generalize it to like, how, how is this person? Why are they put into my life? Like, there's a reason why they're in my life and I'm here to learn. And I think that's a bit, I think that's a really, I think everybody can essentially have that takeaway and, and, and relate to that. And, and it's an easy tactic to, to put into place, you know, and there's of course, another tactic that I've talked about or strategy is, you know, the above the waterline below the waterline. Does it really matter? Another way to say it might be pick your battles. So the toilet seat being left up in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? (laughs) Yeah. You know, but, but if you have an employee who's five minutes late every day, it requires to deal with it. And a really good way to deal with it, for example, that example would be, you have the conversation with the employee and say, hey, I've noticed the last month, you've been coming to work five minutes late. Is Is there something happening that I need to know about? Help me understand what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. It could be something, you know, significant in their life, you know, their, their car's not working their you know, so you never know until you ask. Bingo. And once you ask, you know, and it's actually really good. If you say back to the person, what they said to you, some of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, so your car quit working and to get the kids to daycare and then for you to get to work, you can't make it on time. And you've been ashamed that your car's not working. Have I heard you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How can we support you? And is it is it okay? Like, how do we how do we handle this so it doesn't impact morale for everybody else, right? So that there can be this dialogue where the person is part of the solution and isn't just being you're five minutes late and that's really bad for morale. Cause that just makes it worse. Yeah, absolutely. And I do know from dealing with employees, I'm glad you took that <laughs> as an example of that being able, you know, to come up with a solution together, it does make a big difference. And mm-hmm. it's the difference I think between them committing to the change or not committing to the change. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, negotiation, you never come at it with your final line in the sand. This is, this is my position. You create space so the other person can be part of the solution and can come back with contributions because then you do have the commitment. Absolutely. And two, you know, maybe they do make some changes, even though you've, you know, strong handed them into it, but their attitude isn't going to be good. Their behavior isn't going to be good. And so, yeah. And I I do like that example because ultimately, you know, there is a win-win and there is a way to commit to, to change in, in, in order to, better the relationship, whether it be professional or in your personal life. Yeah. And I mean, that example of the employee being late, it could just be, they agree to an email going out that is now working modified hours Mm -hmm. and taking less time at lunch. Yeah. Something very simple. (laughs) But we create these stories. So now say, um, what is it? Um, assume anytime you assume it makes out of, an ass out of me and an ass out of you. I think that's fair to say that there, there's some truth yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if you can lead from a place of caring, right? Like that employee example, mm-hmm. it shifts things too. Absolutely. Instead of from a place of knowing it all, but Hey, I've noticed this. Is there yeah. something going on? You touched on something just awesome right there is coming from a place of caring versus a place of knowing it all. And again, that kind of goes back to assuming the moment that we assume it doesn't really leave any space 
to get to the root of the issue. It doesn't leave any space, you know, to allow that person to tell you what's really going on. So there's always going to be that divide if you come from a place of um, I'm right and you're wrong. Well, and if you understand that that place is in part because of your reaction to change, you can be kinder and gentler with yourself and with the other person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's when you get to the win-win. That's what it's all about, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. That's the blessed, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's being blessed. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that especially with, I, I know my clients and their relationships with their families, they feel like, you know, their the relationships are so broken that there's like no win-win at times. And there's always a win-win, you know, it's just, you, sometimes you have to have these conversations that we're talking about in order to get there. And if you don't have those conversations, then things are just going to continue to be the same. And they're not going to create that win-win solution. And maybe the people in your life there might resent you. They might be angry at you or vice versa. Whereas if you just have a conversation, people. (laughs) Well, and and what I learned doing a child protection case once was that children love their parents, no matter what. Mm, I can see that. It's powerful, (laughs) right? Yeah, they do. And it's, so you need to be able to separate the love from the behavior. And even where the relationship is broken at this time, if you create the space for people to reconnect to that love that they feel for each other, the relationship is transformed. Yeah, no, I love, I love uh, the insights and the strategies and the, the methodology of how you go about having these conversations because (laughs) it's doable. It's actually doable. And then two, it just, it makes sense. Not only is it doable, it's like, just like you said, never thought of it that way before. It's, it's eye-opening how simple it really can be. You just have to be open to it. And if I can do it, (laughs) given where I started from, anybody can with a little bit of support. And I see... Like, I don't see people as broken because they don't know how to communicate. We don't get any training in having a decent conversation, right? We we don't. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're just doing the best jobs we can with the skills we have. And I like empowering people with a few more skills. Absolutely. I think it's 100% helpful to have someone, I mean, I think that's the difference between staying stuck where you're at and the difference between getting to where you want to go, um, is having someone to help you along the way, someone to hold you accountable and to Mm -hmm. give you those tools. Because I know that, especially when it comes to having, you know, difficult conversations or when it comes to setting boundaries with your loved ones, when you're maybe a yes person, yes, 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 I'll do it all, you know, like that Mm -hmm. can be a hard thing when you've done that your entire life. And then one day you're like, it's causing me stress. It's causing me to burn myself out. It's causing me to wreck relationships, you know, by not having to deal with the conflict. So I've got to make a change. So going from 30 something years, potentially whatever, just throwing it out there to just changing everything about your community, not everything about your communication style, but actually to take those steps. I mean, that's hard. Yeah. But even if it's just, and it gets easier with practice, this is what I've discovered. Even just to say, oh, I've never thought of it like that before. I, I, I need time to think. Or, right, like, oh, I'm having trouble understanding. Help me. Help me understand. Just to pick one thing. Yeah, absolutely. And And having someone there, like you or I, or, you know, Mm -hmm. someone that's within your, you know, your inner circle or whatever it may be to help you through that, I think is the difference maker. Absolutely. And it's, 
it's like, you kind of have to ask yourself, do I want things to stay the same? Do I want to keep going through the emotions, keep being, you know, in this negative space or do I want things to improve? And if the answer is you want things to improve, then you have to make some changes. And, you know, it's, it's part of what I really love about being a holistic mentor. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I call myself a communication mechanic. Because if that check engine light came on in your car, you'd be going, this is an investment. I have better take it to a mechanic. (laughs) Right. But if it's, oh, I'm mad at my boss or I'm mad at my coworker or my spouse, I'll just keep driving and pretend it doesn't happen. And then I blow up one day and I lose my job or I (laughs) quit my job and I have nothing else in the, uh, in the backup. (laughs) Or you go, Oh, there's an issue here. I'm in a pickle. I better get some help. And it is, it's really, I love my work helping people. Absolutely. It's, and I have some of my past clients. Hey, Kim, I'm, I'm using what you taught me. And and the first time that happened, I was like, I, I didn't teach him anything was my inner voice. And I said, Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. And it was one of the things, one of the things I often say, um, when I'm working with people going through divorce is they're not going to change just because you're not like, no, it was, it's not about you, how they're behaving. There's something within them, something going on. It's not about you. Yeah. And he was using that with his new partner. Yeah. I came home from work and I was grumpy and I said, Um, I'm grumpy. So if I'm short with you, no, it's not about you. It's about what's happening in my world. That's good. (laughs) People, Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing because it's improving people's mental health. It's improving people's relationships. And, you know, they say that the habits of truly happy people, it stems back to, you know, one of the factors is your relationships. So it's important to keep, keep them healthy, to keep them, you know, happy and all of the above, because it's going to truly be a a difference maker for you. Well, and it was interesting when, before I met my second husband, I actually made a list of what I wanted in a new partner. Mm -hmm. And one of the things was brutal honesty, because I thought back to the people who I know um, like many people, my family's dysfunctional. Most families are I think, dysfunctional. I, was say, I think we all have that in our families yes. in some way, shape or form. <laughs> but I thought back to people who I encountered who were in, who had solid relationships. And I made a list of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was Good brutal idea. honesty, right? <laughs> brutal honesty. And then to be true to me mm-hmm. without yeah. fearing consequences. So I love it. And I think that's so important in a relationship because at the end of the day, there, you can't change someone. So you wouldn't want to be changed yourself, right? You want to be accepted for who you are and, and vice versa for your partner. And often we think, you know, like people go into business together or they go, Hey, let's start a podcast together or let's start a business together. And they have this relationship already. Mm-hmm. They like each other. That's why they're doing it. And they think, oh, it's going to be disloyal if we talk about what happens when, you know, we don't want bad things to happen. So we're not going to talk about it. The reality is when you get two human beings, you're not going to agree on everything all the time. So if you take the opportunity ahead of time to have somebody help have the conversation, yeah, um, you avoid the upsets. Oh, yeah, we talked about this and we... You know, like I'll talk to people who are in relationships of any kind about rules of engagement, you know, that, okay, who's the person who needs the pause? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And go through it. So it's negotiated and everybody knows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's easier to, to look at it on the front end because you have a plan for it. Which, you know, I think there's definitely something to be said about that. I do something similar with my clients, essentially, you know, what are your obstacles, you know, that is going to stop you from reaching your goals. And 
you have to kind of take a look at yourself and know like, what are your mental obstacles? Because they're there. They're the reason why you haven't completed all your other goals on your to-do list. So why is that? You know, like let's figure it out because we have to have a plan for when they come up because Mm -hmm. they're coming up. There's no stopping them. Well, exactly. And and it's, it's, that's with what, yeah, we accept it with one person. This happily ever after involves having difficult convert, you know, having the conversations. Exactly. And all it does is it, it just comes down to having that conversation to begin with. And then gosh, it would be smooth sailing if that was just, you know, our go-to, right? <laughs> if that was like our number no. one thing, like I'm just going to have a brutally honest conversation and I can be loving in that brutal honesty, you know, but if we just had it, we could just go full steam ahead instead of holding ourselves back and tiptoeing around things. And, you know, you're wasting a lot of time when you do that. (laughs) Energy and sometimes money. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's so many consequences to not dealing with it, depending on the situation. And I think that's really good for people to kind of evaluate, like, what are you, what is this costing you? Because, you know, it's costing you something that's for sure. Well, and you're (laughs) right. People do not stop and ask that question. What is it costing me? Yeah. We think about what will happen if I have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's going to be awkward. Oh, he's, going to cry. I don't know how to deal with that. Right. Come up with all these reasons not to, without looking at what is avoiding this costing me. And it might not, it's not just costing you. It's costing the members in your family too, because if you're unhappy with your business partner or at work, most likely you're bringing it home and your family is experiencing that. Absolutely. And I think that's the number one thing that people they don't necessarily get the help that they need because they're like, oh, well, it's too costly or it's going to take away the time for my family or whatever it may be. But it's like the people that will benefit most from you getting help. It's actually the people around you. You know, of course you're going to be, once you're better, you're being better for everyone around you and everyone wins, you know? And when you don't get that help, everyone loses like that. And that's what we miss. We think that one person can win and one person can lose. And you're exactly right. It's everybody wins or everyone loses. So, yeah. And it's the difference between being super negative on a daily basis or actually being happy. Like, what do we want? We are, that's all that we want in life is just to be happy, be content. And if and we're not make, like, and to make a contribution of some kind. Yeah, absolutely. And, and have a reason for being. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we could go for hours on that one. <laughs> That's another one. That's another topic for us. Well, I'll have you back and we'll dive into it because, um, yeah, we could talk about that for a while. And I think you and I have similar paths. So we'll have to do that, Kim. <laughs> that would be fabulous. Tara. <laughs> so I am going to end it here. And I want to talk to uh, the audience about your, you know, the free gift that you've so generously offered them. And then also, so go into that. What is that free gift that you've offered us today? So I created a quiz. Yeah. Do we need to have a talk? (laughs) Probably. Yes. I'm so excited about this quiz though. I can't wait. Yeah. It's just, it's just 13 yes or no questions to get you thinking. Basically is that check engine light on? Yeah. Absolutely. I because if it. it's been on for a while, you've completely forgotten it. And it isn't, you know, like it'll show up family. So there's questions about what's happening in the home, mm-hmm. but there's also questions about how you're communicating with friends and at work. And so you get a sense of, oh, and there's also a link, you know, if you have seven or more yeses, then likely having that conversation could free up a lot of energy yeah, for you and could improve the relationships around you. So it's really just kind of to help people stop and take stock. And I prepped it special for this interview. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, and there's one else will too. And, and there's a link in it as well. I offer a free 20 minute call. Awesome. That is so 
priceless. I really appreciate you offering that. That is very generous of you. (laughs) Well, and, but, but part of the thing with communication in that 20 minute call is you have a chance to practice communication and talk about what's important to you. And if I think I can help, I will actually ask, do you want to work with me? Do you want to hear how I could help? Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity to claim some power and say yes or no. Yeah, absolutely. To get the help that you need in order to make mm-hmm. the changes that are going to help you and everybody around you, as we just as we just illustrated. Because there's some issues that just take less than an hour. Yeah. And it's like, let's, let, let's do them. And I love those because mm-hmm. I have this way of coming up with strategy. Like nobody's I can tell. Yeah. Business. I think that, it's that people like, would get a lot out of it if that would be the case. And, and sometimes there's bigger matters that need to be dealt with, you know, like if there's issues with a business partner mm-hmm. then yeah, I offer bigger services too, but it could be something small. that's actually costing you a lot mm-hmm. that wouldn't take much to turn it around. So if you're thinking, if your instincts are going, oh, this sounds really interesting, then take the gift and sign up for a free call. Yeah, absolutely. I encourage everyone, you know, to do so because either way you're helping them, whether it be, you know, and something that they can resolve immediately or whether they want to take the next step in, in order to work on some bigger issues that, you know, that are coming up for them continuously and that they need Hmm. to, to get the help for in order to have, you know, the changes in their life that are going to make them better in every sense of the word. So in either scenario, you're helping. So thank you very much for that. That's very kind of you. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This has been such a fun discussion and I'm really passionate about helping people communicate. I love it. I love so, it. So yeah, I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kim. I really appreciate your time today. And thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Burnout to Bless podcast. I hope that you found value in today's episode. And I pray that you will make the commitment to take back control of your life and that God will give you the courage to move forward to live the life that you were meant to live. If this episode at all inspired you, please do me a huge favor and subscribe to the Burnout to Bless podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and leave me a review. By subscribing, you'll be the first to be notified when new episodes air. And by leaving a review, you'll help this podcast get noticed and hopefully change someone's life. If you're ready to take the next step to overcome burnout and live the life of your dreams, email me at coachinginfo at burnout, B-U-R-N-O-U-T, the number two, blessed.com. Again, that's coachinginfo at burnout, the number two, blessed.com to learn more about my customized coaching programs. Now remember, Rome was not built in a day. All you need to do is take it one step at a time, my friends, and I promise you, you will get to your destination. Until next time.